Well, good morning, Southfield. It's good to be here with you this morning. The Paps are back from vacation. So it's it's going to be a good day. It's been a, it's been some good times before. Um, but Jason, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to do the announcements today. So sorry, um, but that's all right. We'll be okay. Um, last week we started. We introduced a song to you, and it's called Oceans. And it's totally about faith, and um, it goes right along with Matthew 14, where Peter um, sees Jesus walking on the water, and he says, "You know, Jesus, call me out to the water." And so Jesus says, "Yes." come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Let that ring in your ears. Why did you doubt me? We all have waves, And we all have that wind that's going to come. But when we focus on that, we start to sink. And so we really, really need to keep our eyes on God. We can't set our sights on the waves and the things that are just churning beneath us or around us. But we keep our eyes on our God that never, ever changes. And he loves us always. Let's sing. out. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Let me walk upon 
Father, we thank you that you call us yours. We thank you that you are our Father, our perfect Father. And we celebrate you this morning too, Lord. God, we give you glory and we thank you, Father, for for never failing us, but for always being there. And we're sorry for doubting you, Lord, but help us keep our eyes fixed on you and not our circumstances, not the waves below us or the winds around us, Lord, but on you, because you are never, ever changing, and your love for us is unconditional, and it's always there. And we thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Hey, it is very good to see you this morning. Uh, Father's Day. I already got a Father's Day gift. I brought him along. My Cy Robertson bobblehead, complete with tea jug and green glass. So wouldn't it be fun to have a sermon from him? I can only begin to imagine what that would be like. It would be an adventure. It is great to be back. Uh, We took 1,600 pictures, and so I thought we'd use the morning to look at every aspect of our vacation. Uh, Now, i got to admit, it was a beautiful vacation. I mean, you go to Montana. If you are unconvinced of the existence of God, no person has been able to convince you, take a drive to Montana. Uh, God will do the talking for you. You're driving through beautiful mountains. You're seeing beautiful lakes. On June 4th, we were fishing as the snow was falling from the sky. Walked up a mountain to one of our favorite lakes, had to go over four-foot snowdrifts to get in, only to find it half frozen, sat down. Avalanche comes rolling down the mountain across from us, and then an eagle takes to flight. It's just like Illinois. (laughs) I mean, it's just perfect. In fact, you may be wondering, in fact, some of you were, why did you come back, man? You know, some of you are thinking there was going to be a text resignation or something like that. Came back because of you, because I'll tell you what. The lack of mountains, man, I miss them, but I missed you more. And it's good to be able to be back, good to be with you. You got a folder as you came in today. As always, would you take that out, put your name on it. The backside is a commitment card. We'll be using that in a little while as we get going this morning. So really appreciate you going ahead and doing that for us. Tomorrow, a group of our students will be heading to Green Lake, Wisconsin, the conference center there, for a week of hard work. It's really a a first step for us in our student program. We hope to be able to offer many life-changing trips that will challenge students to grow closer to Jesus, stronger in their faith, and develop a deeper desire to serve. You know, I was looking at the participant list. In fact, if you opened your folder today, I think it's actually on the back side, you notice that we've included a list in the folder of everybody that's going leaders, high schoolers, junior hires, and we included that list so that you can post it and you can be praying for them all week long. Anyway, I was looking at this list, and as I did, I realized something. Our kids are growing up. 
Our kids are growing up. It's kind of scary. I mean, I remember when Jared Beaker was born, and now he's a junior higher. How did that happen? All three Aubreys are old enough to go on the trip. You guys are alone this week. Wow, that, this is going to be a fun week at the Aubrey house, isn't it? Yeah. Hershberger, Rachel Hershberger's graduated from high school. I mean, this is insane. I still remember her and Blake running around their babysitter's house with her little mop just bouncing everywhere it went. And now she's a couple months away from going to college. It's unthinkable. Our kids are growing up. Kim reminded me this past week that, that Nate is a junior. I mean, that, that's just unthinkable to me. Nate's a junior. And get this, two of my kids are leaders on the trip, and both of them have graduated from college. Yeah, it's a belly button shot. Sorry. He does not have a ring. Okay, so anyway. This list was a reality check for me, and it's a reality check for all of us. Our kids are growing up. And I promise you, I do promise you that if you have a toddler today, they will too. They grow up. They grow up very, very fast. Uh, You know, the moments just seem to start compounding so quickly. And before you know it, you're sitting at a high school graduation. How can I say this so that you'll hear it? You, You need to hear this today. If you're a parent, no role in life matters more than your role as a mom and dad. None. No role matters more. You know, when I was a youth pastor in Seminole, Florida, I had a girl in my group who was, she was just driving her life off the deep end. She was making some really, really reckless choices. Her parents had been appointed to be missionaries to a foreign field. One time she messed up in an epic way. And I was the one that got to go to mom and dad and break the news. I'll never forget his response. It haunts me to this day. He said, if losing my daughter is what it takes to reach England for Christ, then that's the price I'm willing to pay. On one level, it seems so noble. He was giving up everything for Jesus. And on the other hand, it was so misguided, absolutely misguided. For long before God called that man to be a missionary to England, he called him to be a daddy to his little girl at home. And he was missing out on his calling. Today, I want to talk to dads. Now, that doesn't give the rest of you in the room permission to check out. Some of you will be dads someday. And others of you have the responsibility to hold us to a high biblical standard. Dads, we've gained a bit of a reputation. And it's not always a good one. I saw this infogram as, as we were about to head into Mother's Day. It was kind of funny and kind of not. You have mom being asked all these questions. <laughs> Can I? I'm cold. I can't find my, where's my shirt? What question is dad asked? Where's mom? Where's mom? Too often we have a reputation for being passive, for letting mom do it. We've gained a reputation for being detached and disinterested, for having something more important to do. If you have a child, no calling in your life matters more than being a dad. None. That is your highest calling. Years ago, I modified a verse. And I know you shouldn't do that. You know, God owns lightning, thunder. He's not afraid to use it. But anyway, I modified a verse. I think it has the right spirit. Here's what I wrote. I will not attempt to gain the whole world and lose my own family. I'm not going to be one of those people who tries to climb the ladder so high that I leave my family behind. I've met so many pastors who regret the fact that they spent their lives building a personal kingdom and lost the thing that mattered most. They lost their family. If you're a dad, no calling matters more. None at all. So how do we live out our calling in a way that makes the most of every moment? It makes the most of every opportunity. How do we love our kids well? How do we make sure we do that as fathers? I want to suggest three things this morning from the Bible. And the first is this. Loving your kids starts with loving your wife. You start loving your kids first by loving your wife well. Humans are so funny. We tend to live on the extremes. We love one side of the road or the other. We have a hard time just camping in the middle and being balanced. If you're my age, your parents probably live by an adage something like this. Children are to be seen and not heard. 
That was the adage of the time. It was a different time. When my generation started parenting, the pendulum swung to the other extreme. Children became the focal point, the center of the family universe. To deny a child of a desire or an experience is to be a poor parent. Child-centered parenting dominates the modern scene. And both extremes are misguided, both of them. Here's the biblical model. Husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. These are beautiful words. But have you ever taken the time to really think through the real-life implications of that? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. I want to point out three ways that Christ loves the church, the ways he loves us. First of all, Christ's love is tangible. It's absolutely tangible. It could be seen and experienced. He expressed it by giving his life for us. I know sometimes life gets us down. Life gets hard. There's no question about it. Really hard. And sometimes in those dark moments, we start to question the love of God. We start to wonder whether he really cares for us at all. Jesus said this in in John 15, 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. If Jesus never did anything ever again for you or for me, know this. he He died for us. And no one, no one dies for you unless they're your friend, unless they love you. The next time Satan attempts to get you to question Christ's love for you, remember that verse. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. His love was tangible. He expressed it. He demonstrated it. And so I wonder today, dads, do you leave your wife wondering if you love her? Does every expression of affection have to be a joke or veiled so, so darkly that she can't recognize whether that was an expression of affection or not. Is she wondering if you love her? Because if she's wondering, your kids are wondering too. Make your love tangible. Express it verbally. Express it in action. Die for her. Not literally. But die for her. Give up your desires for her desires. Live as if she is the queen of your life. She is. There's another aspect of, of his love in this verse. It's not only that it was tangible, tangible, but that it was intentional. There was purpose behind the love of Jesus. The next verse in this sequence starts with a little word. It starts with the word to. To expresses reason. It expresses purpose. Why did he love her? Why did he love the church? Well, he loved her to make her holy, to present her holy, to make her faultless and blameless and sinless. Christ's love had a purpose, and that purpose was not a selfish purpose. I mean, his purpose was not selfish. It was sacrificial, and that's huge. Jesus loved us for what he could do for us, not for what we could do for him. And we need to remember that. He died for her, for his bride, for his church. Now, I could probably camp here for a while, but I won't. Here's the bottom line. Your wife is not your mama, and she's not your slave, and she's not your possession. She's your partner. The purpose of our love for our wives is not what we can get from them, but what we can give to them. You live to make her life better. That's what your love is all about. One more aspect of Christ's love, tangible, intentional, intentional, and also Christ's love was sacrificial. The verse is very clear. He gave up his life for her. This sums up true love. True love is not selfish. True love sacrifices. True love notices. True love is not oblivious. True love is not dense. True love gives until it can give no more, and then it finds more and gives some more. Being a great dad starts with being a great husband. That's the starting point. That's where it all begins. If you love your wife this way, tangibly, intentionally, sacrificially, a few things are going to happen to your family. First, mama will be happy. And we all know if mama's happy... Everybody's happy. That's right.
But even more, it's going to do something for your kids. It will increase their sense of security. And that's so important. You care about your child's security. Here's the thing. Kids have radar. They know. You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. They know when there's tension between mama and daddy. They know it. And it leaves them feeling insecure. They have friends whose families have broken up. And they wonder if they're next. If this is what's going to happen to your marriage next. Beyond that, though, it does two really important friends things. Your Christ-like love teaches your son how to be a man. And that is ever so important. How a man loves God, how a man who loves God loves a woman. They will learn that by watching you. And it teaches a daughter what to look for in a man. She watches her father loving her mother and she starts to know what to look for. I'm going to make an observation and it didn't originate with me. But I've seen it in action so many times. Girls tend to marry a guy just like their dad. They do it. Even when dad is bad, an abuser, hypercritical, cold, neglectful, uncaring, they go out and find a man just like daddy. Think of the favor you're doing your daughter if she sees you loving your wife and it programs her to look for a real man. Not a self-centered, narcissistic Neanderthal. First, First Peter 3, 7. I want you to see this verse, guys. It's so important. It says, in the same way, you must, husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat them. Treat your wife with understanding as you live with her. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should So your prayers will not be hindered. Get that last part. Think about that verse. Peter says this to men, not to women. He says the way you treat your wife has a direct impact on your connection with God. Does God feel cold and distant? Could it be that that sense of distance is a direct reflection of the temperature of the love that you have for your wife? Choose today. Choose wisely. For the sake of your kids, choose to love your wife. Let me give you a second thing that will help dads. Love your ki- loving your kids means speaking their love language. Now, some of you think, you know where I'm going here, and so you can check out, but you can't. Gary Chapman wrote a great book years ago called Five, Ma- Five Languages Love. It's a brilliant book. His premise is that we all say I love you and receive I love you in different ways. And sometimes we don't hear because this person is speaking a language that we don't hear the same way. So for some, love is best expressed through physical touch and closeness. For others, it's about quality time, just being together. Don't touch me, but be with me. That says I love you. There are those for whom uh, serving is a love language. They love to serve and they love to be served. Gifts say I love you to some. They need gifts. Gifts say I love you. I mean, think about this for a moment. The most common verse in all the Bible. Help me with it. God loved the world so much that he, he gave. This particular verse doesn't say he says it said it. He said he did something. He gave us a gift. He gave us the gift of his son. And it was the ultimate expression of love. And for some, it's the spoken word. They need to literally hear the words, I love you. They need to hear expressions of affection. And they need to hear it again and again and again. Once on the platform at the wedding wasn't enough. They need to hear it again. Yeah, in the old days. In the old days, this played out something like this. Didn't know I bought a laugh track while I was gone. A kid would accuse a dad of a lack of love. And dad would respond by saying, How can you say I don't love you? I go to work. I put food on the table. I put clothes on your back. I'm trying to provide a better life for you than the one I experienced. Dad was saying I love you through acts of service, but may have never, literally never, said those three words, I love you you. And the kid's starving to hear it. Kim likes to add a sixth love language, food. So far, Gary Chapman has not picked up on that one. But those are Gary Chapman's love languages in a nutshell. But like I said, that's not what I'm talking about today. That's not it. Your kids need to hear a certain love language. I was at a conference not too long ago led by a man named Keith Meyer. 
he shared a story that was a real wake-up call for him, both as a pastor and as a dad. You can find it in his book, Whole Life Transformation. Just read you a little bit of this. He says, one day I came home early. I had piles of work on my desk at, church, at the church office, but had promised myself and my wife, Sherry, that I would spend some quality time with my six-year-old son, Kyle. Quality time for Kyle sometimes meant watching cartoons with him, and today, that was just what I needed, some vegetative TV watching. I plopped myself next to him on the couch, joined him in his cartoon reverie. So on that day, while vegging out with little Kyle at my side, a jolting question broke the drone of the TV. Without even looking at me, he said, Dad, are you home yet? Dad, are you home yet? His question hit me as strange and surprising. Home yet? What, what did he mean? Hadn't I been sitting with him there for at least 20 minutes watching his favorite cartoons? I didn't quite know how to answer. I, it reminded me of my wife's complaints of how absent and distant I had been with her. His question shined a searchlight on what I had excused as my spiritual duty. The life I was living had become deformed and driven. I was standing at the center of an orbit that was spinning out of control and about to split in a million directions, fueled by just as many good intentions. Here's the thing. Nothing says I love you to a kid like time. Nothing undivided attention, real presence, your active physical presence in the life of your child, time. Now, here's the thing you're thinking. I wish you'd have said something else because all the things in life, I don't have more time. And yet, that is the one thing they want. That is the one thing they need. They need time because they need you. Years ago, people tried to alleviate the guilt by distinguishing between quality time and quantity of time. It's such a cop-out. Such a cop-out. I mean, granted, we can be in the room physically and not be giving a quality of presence, and that doesn't help. But quality time always comes with quantity. You've got to spend time together, time being fully present. Loving what your kids love. Now, just think about that for your moment. What does your kid love? Do you love it with them? Diving into their life headfirst. While we were on vacation, I tried to be intentional about doing some things my kids enjoy. This wasn't just Dennis's vacation and they got to join in on it. I tried to do some things they enjoy. Now, I admit, I'm not a big adventure guy. It's not my thing. I like quiet. I like beautiful views like this one. We went one morning, looked across that crystal clear lake, saw that Grand Teton mountain range, saw a grizzly bear not far from here. I I, I swear, I had to check my pulse. Have I gone to heaven? It was beautiful. I, I love going to a quiet stream and just catching some fish and bringing that fish in and looking at it. There is nothing like holding a trout in your hand. It is so soft and beautiful. It's not a carp. It doesn't have big scales. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I love, I love looking at wildlife, especially wildlife that we don't have around here. Squirrels, raccoons, possums. It was so cool to see all this beautiful, beautiful wildlife. But here's the thing. My kids are into adventure. I mean, they'll go along with me a little bit on this. And after a while, Nate says, it's another buffalo. (laughs) We've seen thousands. Let's do something. And so we did some adventure. One day we went shooting machine guns. Craziest, just funnest. We didn't kill anything. But, but well, yeah, actually we killed zombies. It was kind of fun. But anyway. But, um... I knew there was one thing they wanted to do. They wanted to go whitewater rafting. That was their thing. And uh, from the second it was suggestion, I didn't question whether or not I'd go along. I've got to admit, um, I lost a little sleep the night before. I really did. I'm thinking about this flipping. I'm thinking about y'all doing my funeral. Thinking about me being the color blue. I just, everything about it. The Gallatin redefines whitewater in June as that snow melts. And the river was racing. But I went along. Because they wanted to. 
And I wanted to share that experience with them. So let me show you. This is kind of fun. This one was great because you can see the look on Shelly's face. <laughs> things, things are about to go very, very poorly. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. Someone just mentions Brian's face. Brian smiles through the whole thing. I mean, he just, he doesn't stop. Eventually we were all getting nice and wet. We got a nice big splash as we all went under that water was kind of crazy. The next sequence was interesting because it was actually rougher and we're headed straight toward this monster, huge rock. And as we're going along, I mean, we're just taking on water. The the boat seems to be going under. There's the rock. I'm on the rock side thinking, why? Why did I sit on this side to be on the other side? And it's just getting a little bit worse. And before you know it, the boat just bobs up and we head on off to safety and had a great time. This is an experience I would not have missed. And not because whitewater rafting was on my bucket list. Not because I love rafting or even being on the water. But because they love it and I love them. And I wanted a chance to experience that moment, that memory with them. Guys, your kids are into some things that aren't your thing. They are, especially if you're a four-year-old little girl. I mean, you're going to find yourself at some tea parties and you didn't expect to be there. Or mixing, matching Barbie outfits. Or watching Tangled when you'd rather be watching Twister. It's, it's going to happen. But hear this. Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Your presence says I love you more than any present you could ever give. Dad, are you home yet? Have you been home in weeks? Are you home yet? You're going to have to decide what that looks like for you. Let me give you some suggestions. I promise you every man in this room is going to have to make this decision. Are you going to be a ladder climber or are you going to love your family? You're thinking, I can, do you, I can do both. No, you can't. You can't. You know, it's funny. Women have been trying now to do the ladder climbing and realizing it's impossible to climb the ladder and love your family the way you need to. It's impossible. You're going to have to give up some rungs on the ladder if you really want to love your family the way you should. I'd encourage you to date your kids once a month. Take them out and do something they want to do. And you probably won't want to. But you act like you love it and have a great time. You go on vacation, do one activity with each of them, just them. Focus in on them. But here's a really important one. Gear up for being home before you get home. you got to commute. It may be five minutes, it may be 50. Take that time to get your head ready for walking in the door. Don't show up at home two hours after you're home. Use that time to prep to get ready to be home. You have a choice. I hope you choose wisely to give your kid time to be home when you're home and to be home often. I have so many more things to say. I'm kind of an old dad. I've got a lot of stuff. I'll tell you what, if I could do my dad years over again, I'd change a few things. I'd let them do more. I did a lot for them. Why? I can do it better and faster. I mean, I can do anything better and faster than a four-year-old, except text. But anyway, that's another story. But how were they going to learn if I didn't let them do it and just suffer through it, I guess? I'd work on my tone. I I wouldn't resist being tender and gentle with my voice. And I would have treasured moments more than just racing through them and getting on to the next event. I have some regrets, but I have one thing I feel really good about. As a father, I did all I could to lead them toward their heavenly father. That's your job as a dad, guys. Loving your kids means leading them toward God. As a man, as a father, you are the visible, tangible expression of God the Father in your kid's life. We show our kids God. For some of us, For many of us, we resist that role. We leave it up to mom. It's up to mom to do the God thing. But when all is said and done, when life is over, what's left? What's left? Every person will stand and face God. Face to face, you'll look into the eyes of God. You know, you may be preparing your kid to be a great scout, a great soccer player, a great golfer, a great baseball player, a gifted scholar. You may be providing them all the opportunities your money and connections can buy. You may be pouring resources into experiences and vacations that you hope they will remember. 
But when all is said and done, when life is over, what's left? Every person will stand face to face with God. You will. Your kids will. What active role are you taking to make sure that your child is ready for that moment? You, not your wife. Not the, not the, not the teacher down the hallway right now. Not the youth group guy. You. What active role are you taking to make sure that your child is ready for that moment? Now, you may be thinking, I'm not a Bible scholar. I have no formal training. Neither did most of the people in the Bible. You know, they didn't. I want to suggest a couple things. One, be a man of visible spiritual commitment. Let it shine. Let your kids know you are a man of visible spiritual commitment. Take the lead on spiritual activities. Dads, stop dodging church. Don't dodge church. Don't just send the family off and you dodge it. Don't be the one who's setting up experiences and activities that compete with this time. Don't be the one who takes the lead on sacrificing your child's spiritual well-being for something of far less value. Be a man of visible spiritual commitment. But secondly, be a man of conviction and of character. You know, our family's been watching a lot of these TV shows lately that involve hidden cameras. I hope that doesn't say bad things about us, but if one of the shows that's going on right now is um, four people go through a really lousy day at work, and they don't know that in the end one of them is going to be awarded their own franchise. And it's really fun to watch them interact. They have no idea what's going on. So, so one of the things that happens the other day on this show, group comes in, they lay their money on the table, and they walk away, and they leave 40 extra bucks on top of what they were supposed to give the server, give the person. And 40 bucks is there. And you get to watch them. And you get to watch on camera their response, what they do. One person takes the money and says, hey, you two employees, here, split this between the two of you. Another puts it in an envelope, says, we'll hold this till later, and then we'll split it among us. One of them actually took the 40 bucks, and there was a little plastic container for some charity uh, there on the counter, and took all 40 bucks and threw it into the, uh, into the charity container. And one guy looked this way, looked that way, and slipped it in his pocket. Imagine how he felt later when he realized not just his boss, but America watched him slip the money in his pocket. You have a hidden camera in your house. It's your child. They watch everything you do. So, when your four-year-old F-bombs, and you go, where did that come from? When your 12-year-old son breaks out a tone on his mom, does it sound a little familiar? Have you heard those words before? Have you heard that volume before? Dads, we have our work cut out for us, but I'm telling you, it's really not that tough. It really isn't. Love your wife. When you get home, be home. Lead. Lead your child toward his or her father in heaven. I I love this image. This thing just cracks me up. (laughs) This is what we dads do when mom's not home. No, this, (laughs) this is what we dads do. We equip our kid to fly. We build into them so that they have the ability to soar in life. You may be trying to equip your child to be a better athlete or a better student or a better singer or a better dancer or a better actor. How about this? Train your four-year-old son to be a great dad by showing him what a great dad looks like, by being a great dad. Train your 10-year-old daughter to find the man she should be searching for in a husband by being a loving, sacrificial husband and father. I read a story this past week. It was about a woman who had a, who had a large boulder in her yard. It was so large that she couldn't remove it. So she decided to repurpose it. She got industrious and she started to polish this boulder, hoping to make it into actually an object of beauty in her yard. As she polished it, she started to notice gold shavings on the rock. I and mean, this is like 
cool. So she starts polishing in these gold shavings, and she starts polishing faster and faster. And the faster she, she polished, the more gold shavings were appearing. And as she was polishing and polishing, she, she took a glimpse at, at her hand, and she noticed that her wedding ring had turned a little bit. And as she looked at her wedding ring, she realized that she had filed down the entire backside of her wedding ring. All those gold shavings from that, from that wonderful heirloom ring were now in a pile on the rock. How many of us, how many of us in search of something better, maybe even something good, how many of us are wearing away the gift that we already have in our hands. We're, we're longing for success at work. And in the process, we're, we're grinding away the gold we have at home. We're pushing our child to advance in sports and studies. But their spiritual life is just flaking away. Today, we have a choice, Dad. We have a choice. Are you going to value what matters most? Are you going to reclaim your calling? Your calling is to be a dad. That's the calling God has placed on your life. And he wants you to be the very, very best one that you can be. Let's talk to God together. Our Father in heaven. We come into your presence this morning, not in fear, not quaking, but knowing that As we walk into the room, you love seeing us because we're your kids. You have provided us an example of fatherhood that is unfathomable and that is perfect. And I pray for the men in this room that have the privilege of being physical fathers to the boys and girls in their family or fathers to the kids in their extended family. Lord, you've given us this great role to show kids what love really is. And to be honest, our generation's been doing a lousy job. We've just not been doing a great job expressing true, biblical, sacrificial love. Even though our body might be there, we're not home. And we've abdicated our spiritual role of leading our kids toward you and left it up to mom or a youth group leader or a teacher at church, someone else that will take care of that. God, today as dads, we come to you first of all and we ask your forgiveness. Your forgiveness for not being the dads we should be, but then beyond that, God, we, we ask for your strength and your wisdom and your guidance to be able to today drive a stake in the ground and say no matter what happened in the past, from here forward, things are going to be different. And I'm going to show my kids what a godly man looks like. I'm going to do it with humility. I'm going to do it with love. But I'm going to live for what matters most. I'm going to live up to my calling as a father. And it doesn't matter if my kid is four months, four years old, 40. It just doesn't matter. I'm going to be the best dad I can possibly be because no calling matters more in life than that one for a man who has a child. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it is Father's Day. And as we move to our time of communion, we're reminded of those words. God the Father loved you and me so much that he sent Jesus, his one and only son. He gave his son. He said, I love you by giving his son so that every one of us can have eternal life. We celebrate that every week through a piece of bread and through a cup that remind us of the death of burial and resurrection of jesus and in just a couple of moments the tray will come to you go ahead and take the bread right away and then hold the juice and we'll take that together while we do that we're going to be watching a video clip that that talks about fathers it's a celebration of fatherhood but i'd like you to do a little translation work okay don't just see this in terms of your physical father here on earth or the father that you are think about this video in terms of your ultimate father The Father in heaven who loves you, love you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. Ever notice in the moment your balloon came back? 
why you like to work with your hands. Or why your friends always came and played at your house. Ever wonder how vacations are made? Monsters never came back. Or why you and the princess always had the same name. Ever appreciate how happy your dad could be when he walked into the house? How goofiness can ease the tension. Or the non-stop battle he fights between supporting his family and supporting his family. Because this Father's Day, if you really look around, you just might. You might appreciate where some of your passions came from. Might wonder on the dreams of those before. And might notice that being the bad guy is sometimes a very hard job. You may even discover the ultimate pride in his eyes when you've learned for yourself. probably watched that clip five or six times and every time I've watched it it comes to the end and, and that part grabs me more than any of the rest because I'd have to admit to you that there are times in my life that I hope God wasn't looking <laughs> I know he does he always does but can you imagine the look of pride in God's eyes when you finally get it right when you finally do it right and he just smiles and says Finally, he does that for you. He has moments of sheer joy when he looks at you and says, yes, finally got it right. I mean, just like a dad cheering his kid hitting a homer or stealing a base. God cheers for you. His eyes are filled with joy and pride when we get it right. I don't know about you. But I want to make my father proud. Really, really proud. Let's drink the cup together. Now, God, this week we're going to take what we've heard and we're going to try to live it. And we're going to mess up. Halfway through being home for a half hour, we're going to realize, man, I've not been in this room. And I pray that you will help us to give ourselves the grace that you give us to accept forgiveness and to try again. We're not going to get it right the first time. In fact, for some of us, it's going to take some time making some adjustments. We've got some fixing to do. We've been climbing a ladder and we we left our family on the bottom rung. God, I pray that you'll give us the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the courage, the wisdom, all the tools we'll need, because that's what a good father does. He equips his child to soar, and we pray that you will equip us to soar as dads. In Jesus' name, amen. Servers are coming and receiving the offering. Make sure you go ahead and put your card in there um, as it comes. And I have a couple things to share with you, and then, and then we have one thing we want to do all together. So... Um, when we were at the warehouse, last time we were together, we gave you a, a homework card, some homework to do for the summer. If you didn't get one of those, you can get one from the guest table today. We listed two of them today on the front of your folder. Actually, it's one, but two, two separate parts of it. 
And that is that we wanted a chance to, to honor some people. Uh, some One person you might know, a couple other people you've never even met. Mary Beth Sticka has worked very hard over the last several years, going part-time and full-time to school, and she finally earned her degree. And, and she doesn't have you know, a, a family right now that's gathering around her celebrating and throwing the party and all that stuff, and so we thought we'd throw the party. So what we want to encourage you to do is get her a graduation card. You may never have met her, but here's the thing. You know what it means to be proud of someone. She raised a child to adulthood while she was going to school. She worked hard. She got through. She got her, got her degree. If you've seen any of her Facebook pictures, I'll tell you what, she is about as proud as proud can be. It's just amazing what she's accomplished. So let's celebrate that accomplishment. We also have a family who I've met. Uh, the Clarks, who work at Camp Grow, they are not making much money working in that ministry. And they just recently had a baby. And so we thought it would be fun to just shower them as well, celebrate the birth of their baby, Ellie. So their names are on the folder today. Get a card. Say something nice in it. Don't leave it up to home, Walmart. Hallmark. <laughs> you know, use your hand. Write something nice. Put a gift card in there or a check, and we're just going to take all of those and and mail them to them or give them to them en masse. We've got to do that by June 30th. So get those things together. Now, the other thing I want to do before we head into music, anybody that's going to... Oh, Cy, stand up. Anybody that's going to Green Lake tomorrow, come on up. You're going to Green Lake tomorrow. You're a student, you're a leader, come on up. Not everybody's here today. I think we have 36 people all together going to Green Lake tomorrow. Like I said, this is really a first step for our student ministry. We'd love to be able to do foreign trips and all that, but you've got to kind of, you know, start somewhere. This is the start. Tomorrow morning, 8.30, they show up at the warehouse. They're loading into vehicles, and they're going to spend five days doing some really hard work. And I assume having some fun along the way, too. Helping out a ministry that we're connected to, a ministry that's doing great work, and it's good for them to be able to have some hands and feet to come in and get some labor done. So before they head off, I wanted to take some time right now to pray with them. Why don't you stand with me? We'll stand together as a church family, and let's just pray for their week. Now, Father God, I thank you that you, as our Father, get a chance to watch your kids head out this week and use their hands as if Jesus was doing the work. And God, I pray that as they serve, they do it with a smile. I pray that they would grow closer in their relationships with each other. I pray that they would discover you in the process of just doing simple tasks that bring joy to someone else's life. God, I pray for safety as they drive and and safety as every once in a while they want to do something that's dumb. Give them moments of better judgment that say, Mom wouldn't want me to do this. And they'd remember and, and, and be safe, but have a lot of fun and ultimately bring glory to you uh, and a smile to your face, just absolute pride in your eyes. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great time, guys. We look forward to great reports. It'll be great. And we're going to close singing with uh, a song that talks about at least 10,000 reasons to love our Father God. Let's sing together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name, the sun comes up, it's a It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his whole.
this week and we'll see you next Sunday.